0: Hi, welcome to Revenue Marketing Television, the CMO Insights Series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of Pedowitz Group. Today, as our guest, we have Neil Kelling, who is a marketing therapist. Love the title. Neil, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's great to be here. Now, I, I must admit, I thank myself, my partner, Dr. Debbie. Feels like we've been therapists for over all these years working with a lot of <laughs> clients. But you went out, you officially, you took the title, took the name. What was your inspiration for doing this?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I, I work with a lot of companies, uh, startups, mid-sized, large companies alike. And typically, when I come in, they're trying to understand who they are. And uh, and you know, fortunately, enough, and I've been working with them at the end of at the end of sessions. I said like, oh my God, it's like a therapy session. And I said like, huh, okay listen to my customers. So I called myself a marketing therapist. Uh, And it seems it worked out since pretty well.
0: So now instead of going to formal business school or medical school, this is just school hard knocks. You picked up all all these tips and tricks?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, a long career. I think I'm on Neil uh, Cohen version 8.7 uh, of all the things that you know we've done. I think we've all had different flavors of our life from agency to client side, but for the last 20 years, I've mostly been consulting. And again, uh, the biggest part of it is, um, is working with companies to help them find their focus. And the therapy part is really helping them get out of their own way. Uh, when, you, when you look at most companies, and I think everybody feels this, you're so close to it every day uh, and you're in the weeds and it's really hard to take that step back and, and take a fresh look at your business. I always liken it to uh, uh, a Seurat painting. You know, If you're standing and you're looking an inch away, you see a blue dot, which is absolutely correct. It is a blue dot. But if you stand there on the other side of the room, it's a day in the park. And, and so it, 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 you know, my job is to help companies to see that bigger picture. Uh, but most people need to see that bigger picture to really kind of move their company forward. So
0: uh, thinking about a typical marketing executive, right? they think about driving demand, they think about their brand, they think about building a better experience, they think about their talent. Is there any one particular area that you find more of your marketing executives need therapy in than others?
1: Yeah, I I think a a big part of it is that uh, people get caught up in the lingo of their category and in feature wars. Uh, um, and, uh, and you get to this point where somebody says like, you know, we're the leader in this and we created this and we really do this, but that's not a great marketing strategy. Kind of liar, liar, pants on fire. Like, you know, we, we do it better than them. Right. You know, and so, you know, I think, um, uh, what they, and, and you kind of get into this like homogenous, you know, feature mutually assured destruction more with your competition um, and then it turns into a commoditization and a race to the bottom. So I think what most marketing execs, when I go to talk to them about, and, and, and this is very consistent, is we're not breaking through. Our message isn't coming through. We're not, uh, uh, we're not selling our value. If we're talking price, we're not selling value. So how do we sell value? And, and that's where I tend to come in and try to help.
0: So what are some of the ways that you do that?
1: Well, the number one way and the best way um, is to talk and listen to customers. And so we were talking about this a little bit uh, uh, a while ago is that when most companies on the marketing or sales side go out and talk to their customers, they can't help but sell. So they tend to sell, defend, deflect, try to convince, but they don't listen. And I think Uh, Most of your listeners will have heard this saying. It says, like, uh, you really have to listen not to reply. You have to listen to understand. And it's very hard for marketing and salespeople to do. It's not in their nature, especially if you're passionate about your company and your product. So, So in going to customers, it's really about deep, empathetic interviews and not even talking about the product. Tell me about your day. Tell me what your issues and challenges are. Why are those things important? Why are they important to you? Why are they important to your company? What's the impact? Why? Just keep asking why. It's the old five whys to really get down to that emotional component. Because at the end of the day, people do make rational decisions, but all rational decisions are informed by emotion. And so you have to really get down deep inside to understand. And, and, and at the end of the day, your customer will always tell you better what problem that you solve for them than you will ever format in your own mind. So I kind of call it uh, marketing jujitsu in a way. It's like take your customers' words, take your customers' ideas, and use them to get more customers (laughs) because (laughs) they'll relate to that. It'll be relevant for them. But we so infrequently do that. We say, like, we know the end. I created this company Yeah, because I saw the problem. But once you created it, you're no longer the customer.
0: (laughs) It's it's really interesting that you say that because I I I find that a lot of marketing executives they get so caught up in the brand and the story that they fail to remember that they're not the heroes in their own story. The customer is right. So as they're coming up with all these great slogans and themes and messaging and creative, there's no customer in it anywhere. (laughs) It's it's all exactly. Yeah. So (laughs) and then they wonder why. It doesn't work, and then we have this whole world of so many different channels now. So not only does the story have to be strong and customer-centric, but you have to be able to tell it in a variety of formats.
1: Well, it's exactly right. And, and you know, so you, you have that overarching story, then you have to verticalize it, especially if you're going towards different channels or verticals. Uh, uh, but it, it certainly is the case that companies focus a lot on the what they do. It's like, what, what, what? We're the first ever. We're the best ever. We're the world class, hyphen, 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 hyphen this. We, you know, uh, oh my God, my, I still can't believe people say this. We save you time and money. And we'll talk about that separately in a second. I'll go up on a little rant. but uh, But never is it about. The customer's story, you're like it's really about that and how they're using it and how they're doing it and why they care. And you know, unless, and of course, so, they really yeah. are
0: saving time and saving money, then there probably would be. Yeah. But but yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Um, there has yeah. to be, you know, we talk, we were taught as, as marketers and sellers to focus on our unique selling proposition, right? Is it price? Is it quality? Is it service? But really, it's the unique buying proposition, right? What What would compel customer to buy from you versus anybody else and and i'm not saying that those things don't have an element right but but it's got to be more than that it's got to be the unique value attribute set it delivers for that given customer
1: absolutely and and i will tell to your listeners out there that your biggest competitor is not another company your biggest competitor is inertia and the status quo and so when you say save time and money what, what the what the the customer is hearing is rip and replace, and how long is it going to get everybody to get up to speed and. You know, so and when will I really start? You know, seeing the time and money saving. So you, you know, selling that is not going to convince somebody. What you have to convince them is the value that you're going to bring over the status quo, and it can't be incremental. It has to be exponential, and you have to show that it's exponential. Because I'm not going to change for a five or ten or fifteen percent gain in productivity or something like that. But if you sell me, you can double, triple where you can do something and bring money to my, uh, bring increased revenue and increased growth. You know, I'm interested in that, uh, but it it has to be fundamentally so much better than what I'm doing right now, um, even even if it's not a competitor.
0: Well, and that's what's gonna get me to move off of whatever I'm at. And we all have lots of challenges and issues. It's just a question of whether or not we're gonna address them or not in a timely fashion. So one of my favorite questions I like to ask prospects is, once we get they get done sharing their problems, is so on a scale one to ten, how important is it for you to do something about it in the next? Yeah. And I mean, if they say even if they just spent a half an hour telling me all their problems and woes and what they want to do, if they say four, guess what? They're not not opening up their wallet. They're not going to do anything, right? Even. um, um, But if they say eight. And it's a pressing issue one way or the other, whether it's through our company or someone else, they're going to they're going to fix this because it's 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 creating a lot of pain.
1: Yeah, that, that's a nice question to ask. It's interesting because I wondered if you can turn a four into an eight or a nine. You yeah, there's a, a number of companies I've been working with now, and I think a lot of your uh, your audience are at companies or are working with companies that are are creating dramatically new ways disruptive ways to do things so so sometimes i say it's a product that you don't know exists that's solving a problem that you don't know you have Uh, but those problems are pretty acute when you can surface them up and saying like did you realize this and it's like oh my god i never thought of it that way now now suddenly i have an eight or a nine where before it might have been zero
0: right that's not an outright blue ocean strategy it's certainly a a blue ocean sales and marketing technique, and in, in that, look. Sure. If I'm going to use the same language and compete, using the same words that my competitors are using, it's going to. Yeah. I can't expect that I'm going to get those eight out of ten because I look and sound like everybody else. But if I find a way to position myself, my story, my value proposition in such a way that you can't find that anywhere else, now it becomes something that you want to focus on because it's something that you feel you've got to have that you weren't aware. Uh, but that's really what blends both the art and the science of marketing, I think, right? Even now, through all these yes. channels, I mean, we talk about attribution, and we talk about uh, marketing c- contributing to the pipeline, all these things, but it still is really about sales and marketing working together, right, as a team to figure out how the best right. meeting needs of the customer.
1: Right, exactly. And, and, and one of the great things about empathetic interviews, getting back to the beginning and where we started and talking to your customers in a way where you listen intently and just ask questions and don't try to sell, is that you can show your sales team or your sales team can literally see it in the quotes. It's like, oh, this makes sense now. I have to come at this in a different way. I have to use different language. And it really brings the value of marketing and that art and that nuance to sales in such a meaningful way that they can't argue with you because you know, how many times has you gone into a, a meeting where somebody says, well, I feel, and I think uh, I'd much rather come in and say, I talked to 15 customers and here's what they said. Yes. <laughs> so because of that, we should probably do this, a much better frame, much more powerful place to come from uh, uh, than, uh, than, than that other direction. Very well said. And
0: I, I, I think sometimes we get a little too caught up in marketing uh, and we get in our war worms and we map out our personas and our buyer mm-hmm. journey and mm-hmm. study yeah. campaigns. Do we talk to anybody? <laughs> do we think <do> <laughs> any of this to be factually true, not just based upon our expert opinion, because we've been doing this for 10 or 15 years. I mean, I think sometimes we overconvince ourselves, right? And, and going back to the basics and really hearing from the customers, this is what I liked about you. This is what I didn't like. This is why I bought from your competitor. Um, yeah. To your point, not just hearing it, but then doing something about it. Uh, yeah. you know, it's one thing to listen. And, and then it's, I think you have to take action on it. Otherwise you're not really then fundamentally changing anything.
1: Right. Well, it, it's it's funny because I, I'm just kind of cat- going through my mind of like the last seven or eight or nine companies that I just work with. And I would say, a hundred percent of them develop their marketing positioning, their messaging and their sales enablement materials, all of them in a vacuum tube. None of them talk to a customer ahead of time and none of them were having any success, which is, you know, I'm grateful because it's worked for me, (laughs) but you know, it's, definitely not the best way to go about and if, and if you're listening to this right right save yourself some money and and go out and 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 listen intently and ask the right questions uh because you'll learn so much
0: even something fundamental. I nine out of every ten marketing executives i've talked to have never been on a sales call never had to have a quota before but oh. what, what a great place to start Like just especially now so much easier because we're all virtual right hey just ask your sales team, just jump in on the calls, be a fly on the wall. Listen, you know, listen to what the prospects and the customers are saying, how they're responding to the, the questions, the messaging, your features, your functions. And you, you learn a lot more about that. I mean, it's like a real living focus group every single day.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it, it absolutely is. And it, it's funny how we don't tap into these valuable resources that are right there all, and, and, and it takes no time. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it really doesn't. I
0: mean, even doing look win loss analysis, having a third party call up every time, but, but both when you win and when you lose, like find out why did they pick you. Not, I don't want I love my salespeople, but I don't want to hear why the salesperson thinks. I want to hear from the customer why they selected us. And the same thing when we lose, and you know, don't I hate losing? But hey, I, I want to find out like why? Why did you pick? That other competitor, so that we can yeah. be better, you know, because, I, 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 you know, life's short. I, you might have other projects, opportunities. I might not have gotten this one, but I'll, I'm going to get the next one. <laughs> you know, I'm come.
1: Well, well, and the, the funniest thing, and I, I will say this for an outside third party, um, uh, I found that when I ask the questions, uh, and I'm coming in, and yeah, you build a report after an interview after about 30 or 40 minutes, and uh, and, and suddenly they really tell you why. Uh, right. You know, they, 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 kind of couch it a little bit. Uh, uh, when, when the sales guy calls, it's like, explain it to me, but a third party. And I love it when I get to the part of the interview where they say like, don't tell anybody I told you this, but, and 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 I and I stop them and I always say hundred percent of the time because this happens often. I said, remember, I'm being paid to talk to you, even though I'm a third party. He Says no, no, it's okay, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Once we we picked the other vendor because they were a better fit. Like, right. But what made them a better fit? Like what made know, them a better fit? You know, right. And so right. it's like was, was it their price, their approach, their people, like how they do it I can't, you know, so. yeah
1: but you got to dig and you got to ask you got to ask the why um and uh and, and you actually even have to ask them what it means when they say something because their definition of fit and your definition of fit might not be the same thing so like when you say fit what do you mean <laughs> like explain that to me so we're on the same page because there's these eye of the beholder words where you just assume and and that's the thing that I'm talking about with follow up questions asking why like what do you mean when you say that and now, why is that important? Don't assume that you understand the customer's definition of a word. Get on the same page with them so you understand how they're defining what they're saying.
0: Yeah, you gotta dig. Even if they say something like, uh, they made me feel more included throughout the sales cycle or they provided more or better materials. How? Yeah. Did, they, did they supply videos? Did they do a personalized approach? Was it a detailed proposal? Was it this? Sh- I mean, because I've also found that over the years what one person values is, is, could be the very opposite of someone else. Sometimes executives say, look, I mean it. I only want a one-pager with a value proposition and a high-level Gantt chart. And then the other executive will say, one page? Like, no, I, I want to see a very detailed step-by-step breakdown. What are you going to do by day, by week? And so, you, But if you don't ask the questions up front, you're not going to know what they want to see and, and, and how the final presentation needs to look like.
1: Well, it, jeff, you you hit on a really important point here, which is every you know there are currencies you know of value um, within all these different groups, especially now that everybody's doing what they're calling account-based marketing and they're spreading, you know not just vertically in an organization, but horizontally. but everybody has a different currency of value, and you have to understand what that that currency is to them. Is it? saving time or like, you know, like I get, I get 80% of my day, or is it uh, now that I'm not spending that money there, I can put it towards development of new product or creating new markets. Yeah. In other words, it's not always saving time and money goes to the bottom line. The currency of value might be, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I could do something of high value versus, uh, you know, something that is, is, is really kind of mundane and can be automated. So so learning what those currencies are, just like you were saying, is really critical and you have to ask those questions that you've been talking about.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you know, you know what they say about assumptions, right? <laughs> so,
1: sure. they're, they're they're, they're, very, very much so, very much so, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Well, this was quite illuminating. I could see why you're having so much success as a therapist. So I, it, it's okay <laughs> if I call you from time to time too, right?
1: Uh, Absolutely. You know, you can, you can ask my wife, she says, who are you talking to for free today? But, uh, uh, but, you know, something that's part of it, It, you know, it's if you go out there, and you just share and you're kind and you're, and you're transparent with people, you know, good things tend to happen. And so hopefully everybody out there in your audience will do the same.
0: Awesome. So Neil, if the audience out there, they want to get in touch with you, they want to get a little therapy, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Uh, you can reach out to me through LinkedIn. I'm easy to find because I'm the only marketing therapist out there. Uh, and start there because my all my contact information is, is right there.
0: Fantastic. All right. Neil Cohen, marketing therapist. Thank you for being on the program.
1: Jeff, thank you so much for having me. Say hello to Debbie uh, for me and uh, best of luck to you.
0: I absolutely will. Thank you.